Okay, now the rest of you tried. About eight of you did that. How about let's all turn into somebody and say, man, it's good to see you today. Go ahead. Like you mean it. Put some oomph in it. That's right, cuz. I, I see that. Thank you, brother. Not forgetting me. Uh, let me ask you this question as we jump into the Word of God this morning. Uh, what's your favorite fruit in this room? Yeah, just, what is it? Grapes, bananas, pineapples? Apple. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, you're all wrong. We're in church. It should be the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, people. Don't you like? <laughs> hey, church jokes are right up there with dad jokes, right? Amen. You know, like really corny. But, uh, but I, I lead in with that because if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about in the third week, it's hard to believe already, of our Spirit Life series. We're talking about fruit filled living. And I got you all a little bit. Don't tell anybody in second service. I want to get them to. But uh, today we're looking at living fruit-filled lives. And we are reading out of Galatians 5 in just a moment. And right off the bat, we're going to see that it is a street fight. So if you're taking notes, write that down. This is a street fight. And man, there are no rules in a street fight, right? I mean, you got to bring everything you can. Now, um, uh, I've always said, and this is very important. Yeah, right. God wants us to be fruitful, not fruity. Amen? <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me repeat that for those of you who are kind of napping. God wants us to be fruitful, not fruity. How many of you known some fruitcakes in your life? God isn't into that kind of strange, weird, crazy stuff, behavior. He wants us, however, to live fruit-filled lives. And you say, what are you talking about fruit? We're going to talk about that in the next few moments. I'm going to unpack that for you. But before we jump into what the fruit actually is, I want to give you four quick facts uh, about the fruit that we're talking about here of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and the first one, I'm just literally going to say this. In this corner, it's spirit versus flesh. How many of you like boxing, MMA, whatever, martial arts, you know, there's all kind of stuff out there now where they announce, you know, who's in this corner, who's in this corner, and they're about to do battle. And this battle is between the spirit, write this down, and the flesh. And when we say the spirit, we're not talking about ghosts and goblins down, you know, that, that so many people like to, to talk about. We're talking about the what? Holy Spirit that we looked at the very first week of the study and found out that he is the third person of the Trinity, the triune Godhead. So it's spirit versus flesh, and this is war. Now, again, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, Galatians chapter 5 or your device that you can read, it, read along with us, beginning in verse 16. And here's a part of this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. We studied that last month. But he says this here in, in chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. In other words, live your life in and through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the breakdown of that first part of this verse. And then he says, and then if you do that, you shall not fulfill the what? The lust of the flesh. Before he goes on, it says, the lust of the flesh, uh, the, the flesh lust against the spirit. In other words, a battle. And the spirit against the flesh. And those two are, and I want you to write this word down, contrary. What does that mean? They are adversaries. They are enemies. They, they butt heads. They, they don't coexist, in other words. They are contrary to one another. So what you do not do, the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, there it is again, walk in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, he says you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and boy, are they, right? And then he gives us this list, and Pastor Scott went through this uh, a while back. He says they are adultery. Fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. 
Have we seen that a lot? You, you catch it on, on, on social media all the time now, right? Remember people used to get mad and have road rage and, 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 and act a fool in a store and stuff, and you hardly ever knew about it? But now with everybody having cameras on their phones and catching everything that goes on and video surveillance everywhere and Big Brother is watching, right? You can't get away with anything. So even if you have some outburst of anger and, 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 and show your rear end in a, in a place, somebody's more than likely going to catch it on video and share it with the world. Hey, check this out. What I saw happen at Wendy's the other day when they didn't get their hamburger right. Man, they just went off on those poor, poor people working in there. So he says, no outburst of wrath, no selfish ambitions, no dissensions, no heresies, which is false teaching, um, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. He just says, if I've missed anything, everything else that's like that of the flesh, those are out of bounds. Then he goes on and says this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things, now here's where we need to be just hit in the mouth with it. There's no better way to describe it, right? <laughs> he says, I tell you such things, those who practice will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Pastor Joseph was talking about, man, that's what heaven's going to be like. Yeah, that's what Hunter was talking about. You know, we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be worshiping God. And get this, we're not just going to sit around the throne and worship God, even though that is amazing. But I think some people just get this idea of heaven's going to be, we're going to sprout wings and we're going to float around on clouds and play harps all the time. Do you like playing the harp? Right now, got one guy here that's a harpist. Where's your harp and why aren't you up here? It's not going to be that. You're going to be amazed at the life that we have that's free from all this sin, free from all this death, free from all this curse, free from all the junk, all the jealousy, envy, hatred, bitterness, wrath, and all that stuff is going to be gone. We're going to live in a perfect place with a perfect God forever, and we're going to do things that will just blow your mind. Yes, we get to worship. And how amazing is that, that we don't just worship here in this setting like this or in our cars or whatever, but we get to worship around the throne of God. There will be amazing times that are just going to be unbelievably unimaginable. I can't even describe it. But then he goes on and says, these people, if you practice these things, in other words, if these things dominate your life, if you walk in the flesh, if you are consumed by your flesh, if you are led by your flesh and not by the Spirit, here's a sobering word from Paul and from God himself. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not be with God forever. As hard as some people like to, to imagine that being and, and wish it wasn't even in the Bible, it's in there. And so therefore, we must take it seriously. Take it to heart and live by this. I don't want to live flesh-driven. But then he goes on and says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And churches tend to dwell on the negative far too much. We're not that kind of church, amen? We like a balanced approach to a balanced word of God that we have. Paul turns it in verse 22 and says, here's the good thing. The fruit of the Spirit is the following. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. What a list. Much better than the previous list. Amen? When you hear those those things on both lists. Where do you just gravitate to? Man, I want to be this. I want to have love and joy and peace and patience. All these good things. And those who are Jesus Christ's, who belong to him, verse 24, Paul goes on, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
In other words, what is crucifixion? It is death, right? If you belong to Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, you have put to death the flesh with its passions, desires, its wants, and its wishes. If we live in the Spirit, he, he reiterates this again, verse 25, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And I'll stop there. As I said, this is a battle. This is a war. Contrary is the word that he used earlier. Adversarial, spirit versus flesh. So I ask this question, who is winning in our lives? And here's what I want you to know. To win at war, you must do a couple of things for sure. Number one, you must walk in the discipline and the training to, to be ready to win that war. You've got to, as Paul said on many occasions, discipline yourself, train yourself, get yourself in line according to who God is and what he has. And also, you've got to be familiar with the weaponry and the arsenal that heaven makes available to win this war. There have been times that in this nation and in this world, we've pushed the big button to wipe out an enemy. I'm talking the A-bomb, the atomic bomb, and just said, we're going to win because we have to win to keep evil where it belongs. And that is pushed away and put down. There are times in this spiritual battle that we have to push the big button and say, devil, you've done crossed the line too much here and you are going to pay. And boom, God's going to bring the pain. And the victory. We've got to be prepared and ready to win this war because when you boil it down, the war is for our soul, my soul. That battle that rages in me, spirit v. flesh, it's my fight. It's my battle. It's my soul at stake, just like it is for you. Second fact about this is there's only one fruit. A lot of people throughout the years in church have, have gotten confused and thought, well, it's the fruits of the Spirit. No, Paul mentions there is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, before we get bogged down in a lot of details, it's essential to remember that the fruit of the Spirit are not simply moral commands. They're not nine different ways to live a better life. You're your best life today. No, it's not that. Although they certainly do result in better life and better living when they're present in our lives and, and, and leading our lives. It's not just a call to live an upright, good, moral life. It is so much more than that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. One of the most interesting and often misunderstood aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is that the Bible teaches that it is one fruit, but with many characteristics. The late preacher Adrian Rogers tells us it is one fruit, and I love the way he put this, with nine flavors. Isn't that just mind-boggling? Because I don't know about you, but I don't dig prunes. And I don't dig figs at all. But man, I love me some pineapple, Right? All those fruit have different flavors. This somehow is one fruit of the Holy Spirit that brings about nine flavors in our lives. And they provide evidence. Write that word down if you're taking notes. And if you're not, you should be. The, the fruit of the Spirit provides evidence that a person is being led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So nine, nine flavors, one fruit. Third fact about it is only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual fruit. How many knows what you're going to get if you plant apple seeds in the ground and water and nurture that? Eventually, you are going to yield a harvest of apples. 
golden delicious if you plant golden delicious. Red delicious if you plant those. I don't know any other apples by name or I name them, but whatever apple seeds you, you plant, you're going to get that apple. You're not going to plant apple seeds and get figs. Thank the Lord. The Holy Spirit's the only one that can produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And what this means is this. What it really boils down to is that we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives in our own strength. Because I'm going to tell you something. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have the ability or the wisdom enough of our own enabling. We just can't. We, we are called to run hard after Jesus. We are called to say no to sin, no to temptation, to seek to put on love, joy, peace, patience. But if we try to do this by our own strength, we will fail miserably. There is a foundational verse for this church that, that is John chapter 15, verse 5. And many of you know it by heart where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The vine is not separate from the branches. The branches don't separate from the vine and do their thing. You don't have a tree in your yard that has a trunk and it has limbs that are free, free suspended out beside of it, not connected to the trunk where people are driving by going, man, did you see that tree at the Thompson's house? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. There's a trunk and then it's like the magician just said, separate limbs and they just divided from it, but they're just suspended in midair there near the trunk. And that's a great lesson. We can be near the vine but not connected to the vine. And guess what? It doesn't do us a stinking bit of good. So we can come and play church and, and play the part and carry our big King James Bible and, and a three-piece suit and all that, but never be connected to the vine who is Jesus Christ, our life source and the power of the Holy Spirit, and totally miss it. Totally miss it. Apart from him, he says in this verse, we can do what? Not a single thing thing so we have to be connected but in him <laughs> he who abides in me and I in him will do what bear oh somebody knows their word bear much fruit I hope you caught that apart from Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit we can do not a single thing we can't truly be loving or patient. We can't have real joy or peace in our lives. And so as we think about growing in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we must remain dependent always upon God to help us grow. Because ultimately, He is the one who produces fruit in our lives. As we lean on God and depend totally on Him, the fruit will be produced in our lives. And then the last fact about the fruit that I want to give to you is the fruit is not just for us. <laughs> but it's for others. The way I put this down in my notes is this. We are to feed others from our tree. Doesn't that make sense to you? What is all this being produced in us for? Why are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work and bring about the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to run through here in just a moment? So that others can eat from the tree, that others can be blessed by our patience instead of our smacking them upside the head when we want to and they, they make us mad, Right? It's to bless others. It's to be a, a different person in the world of so many that are the same and full of this fleshly world that we live in and rage and malice and evil and hatred and envy and all that other poison of the world's ways. Back in verse 13 of Galatians 5, Paul wrote these words. Through love, serve 
one another. So turn and tell somebody the fruit's for you. My fruit is for you. The Lord is producing fruit to feed you from my life. Now, we're going to take a close look at the nine flavors of the Holy Spirit fruit that need to be evident in our lives. And, and the first one is, of course, what? L-O-V-E. Man, love. It's no surprise. It's the first fruit listed throughout the New Testament. Love is highlighted as the chief characteristic of Christ followers. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Bible verses and scriptures that center around love. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, they will know you are Christians by the Bible you carry under your arm, right? They'll know you're Christians by the bumper sticker you place on your car or stickers, plural. They'll know you're Christians by the church you attend. I'm down there at that Connections Church in Belmont. No, he said they will know you are Christians by your love. What a powerful thing to love like God loves. That same selfless giving love of Jesus Christ alive in us to the world around us. First of all, we are called to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We're called to delight in God, to pursue Him, to give all that we have for Him. God is worthy of our deepest affections and highest praise and all the love we can give to Him. And then secondly, we're called to love one another. The top two commands in all of Scripture are love God and love people. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just like I've loved you. And how did he love us? He laid his life down for us. You are also to love each other. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus commands us to love each other both in word and deed. We're called to serve one another, bear each other's burdens, to care for one another, to lay our lives down for one another. We should ask the Holy Spirit to help us love our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are not yet in Christ. Amen? I mean, it's easy to love the lovable. But even though they're in Christ, they're not always that lovable. I, I want to point that out and make that crystal clear because we're all a work in progress, right? But it's easy to love those who, quote, unquote, are easy to love. But the tough thing is to love those who are way tough to love. And then what about joy? Number two, the second fruit of flavor is joy. Joy goes far beyond merely being happy. And boy, what a, what a world we live in now that just chases happiness at every turn. In fact, it's possible to be joyful even when life is hard. Amen? I love what James wrote in James chapter 1 verse 2 where it says, Count it on joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What are you talking about, Pastor? In the hard times, be joyful? Absolutely. I told our team this morning because we had quite a few challenges up this week. Uh, people calling sick last minute. Uh, people, people got here and, and got caught into work right off the platform. Caleb was supposed to sing and, and it was mixing and matching and, and twisting and turning and, and plugging holes here. And, and who's going to do this today and all that. And, and I told our team in our meeting right before first service started, I said, listen, guys. Be joyful. 
The enemy is fighting with everything he can to disrupt this time together. But God's bringing a breakthrough because the harder he comes at us, the more he knows that the spirit of the living God is going to be here to change people's lives for eternity. So let's be joyful and not get down on this. Let's get down on it, not get down. I don't know, that just came to me and I know you'll never get that image out of your mind. Our joy comes from the fact that we know the living God, that all of our sins are forgiven, that we will live with God for eternity, that nothing can separate us from his incredible, overwhelming, never-stopping love that he has for us. Nothing can take these things from us. So, therefore, we can have joy even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen, church? Because the Lord is our shepherd. He is caring for us, guiding us, and blessing us. We can have joy when we face trials of any kind because God himself, the one who created the heavens and the earth and all the universes, is our loving Father. So, I'm telling you, folks, live in joy. The joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ The secret is, and it's no secret, is understanding what we're doing here. And here's what Paul described it like. These light and temporary afflictions. It ain't going to last. These are just momentary blips on the radar. Eternity's coming. Where all this is going to melt away. What about peace? If there's ever a time we need the peace of God. It's always, but it's right now, big time. As Pastor Scott likes to mention, I don't even watch the news anymore. Just, just tired of turning it off. Tired of hearing the same thing over and over. Be scared. Be afraid. You're all going to die. It's over. War is breaking out. Sickness everywhere. It's bad, 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 bad. Now, if you let it, that stuff will get you all out of sorts and no peace in your life. How many of you are like me in here and say, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Those are the signs. Jesus is coming soon. There's been something in my spirit recently just overwhelmingly just, Maranatha, look up. He's coming back soon. It's going to be over, and we're going to be home, and I'm going to tell you something. Let this world just burn and do what it's going to do. If Jesus wants to take us out today, let's go home. To be absent from the body for every Christ follower is to be present with the Lord is his word. Man. And when we stake our lives on that. When we grow roots deep into the word and the truth of God to us. Then you know what? Come hell or high water. I will not be moved. And my joy and my peace. Are not going to move. And disappear. Peace is a sense of rest and calm that comes from knowing God no matter what's going on. Even in the darkest storms of life when they're swirling around we can have a true lasting peace. That will go beyond that. How do we have this peace? By fixing our minds, our hearts on God. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I don't even know if you heard those two words, perfect peace. You're like, Pastor, it's possible I have anything perfect here on this earth. No, it's not. You can have perfect peace 
because of a perfect God who wants to come and invade your life and walk with you and talk with you and be yours and you be his and you be together and nothing can stop the dynamic duo of you and God. And when he comes in, he brings perfection. Oh, we're, we're, we're just pitiful little people until God invades our hearts and we say yes to him. Come and fill me with your spirit, your life, and your power, and your peace. And when that happens, woohoo, man. I'm going to tell you something. Peace, perfect peace comes. And let me, let me let you in on a little something too. Our peace is not dependent upon our circumstances. Our peace comes from the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Allow Jesus through the Holy Spirit to step up and speak to every storm that comes your way. These words, peace be still. But not only to your storms, hear me this morning, church. Allow Jesus through the Holy Spirit to step up and speak to your life in every storm and say these words, peace, be still. I know you're rocking right now. I know everything's coming at you. I know you're, you're feeling the, the pressure and the, and the turmoil and your, your peace is feeling a little shaky right now. But hear me this morning. Hear me right now, child of God. You are mine. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. And we're going to calm the storm and I'm going to calm my child right now. My peace is yours. Take it. Live it. Own it. Carry it. Patience. Patience coming after peace. Really. Let's just skip this one, right? You guys good with patience? I mean, really, how hard is it to be patient? We are the microwave generation. Remember back in the day when we heated up leftovers, had to go out to the woods and get the firewood, bring it in the house, get the fire started, get it warmed up. I'm just kidding. I don't go way that far back. We literally just had to turn the stove on and let it warm up, you know, for like three minutes, and then we could heat stuff up. But then the microwave came, and out the door went our patients, every one of us. We got to thinking, man, this world's turning into a push-button, instantaneous, one-minute world that we can have our hot pockets in two minutes, piping hot, crispy, fresh, and delicious. Man, we're in good shape. But what happened is because of everything getting instant quick, instant internet speed, highest speeds out there, pay $1,000, you can have it in just a blink of an eye, and on and on and on, we just get this mentality of like, I want it, I need it, I deserve it, and I want it all and deserve it all now. Don't make me wait for anything. Standing in line at the store yesterday, picking up a few things for church and, and school and, and a few other things. And, and, and the line was backed up, man. It was wrapped around, you know, long. And, 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 and Devin said, man, what, what's the deal? All these people here on a Saturday. And they got three cashiers up there. He's 13 and he already knows this. I think he's picked it up from his mama. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> he probably picked it up from me. I'm a little impatient at times. And, of course, we had to explain to him that. There's so many people that don't want to work right now. We're just fortunate they got three at the registers. So we just talked and cut up and encouraged each other to be patient. And we made it through. We're here today with our stuff. Here's the thing about patience. When you pray for patience, it's neat how the Lord gives you opportunities to grow that patience. So if, if you're, if you're dare, daring enough to pray that prayer, Lord, give me more patience. Help my patience grow. Let me experience the flavor of patience through the Holy Spirit fruit. Then get ready 
Tell your neighbor, get ready. Come on, tell them, get ready because it's coming. You might want to turn back because if you know them real good, you might want to turn back and say, and you need it. Go ahead, tell them that. That's okay. You can help preach. I know how you are. You need some patience. Listen, when you're sitting in traffic, the Holy Spirit's using that to produce patience in you. When your children aren't listening to you, come on. Which is like 99.9% of the time, God is, is trying to produce the fruit of patience in you. And if you're, you're waiting for God to bring you a husband or wife, then God is producing the beautiful fruit of patience in you. It's tough. But here's the key of that. The more we grow in patience, the more we are like God. Listen to me, church, who is always patient with us. He is patient with our weakness and our failings and our sins. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Rather, he patiently brings us back to himself again and again and again, reminding us of how much he loves us and helping us to overcome the struggles that plague us. Because God is patient, we too must be patient. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be like God. That's the whole purpose of life, right? To grow into his image more and more and more every day. So pray, Holy Spirit, help me be patient. Next is kindness. We live in a world that is desperate for kindness. People increasingly treat each other with shocking amounts of unkindness. And when we are, are kind, we reflect the abundant, overwhelming kindness of God. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 tell us, but, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, he saved us. Kindness moves us to action. It moves us to pour goodness on people around us and to be kind to them. It doesn't just sit in our hearts and stir around and think, well, you know, I feel kind. No, be kind. Let the feelings translate into action because that's exactly how Jesus showed himself kind by going to the cross and dying for us and saving us. God the Father said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in kindness and I'm going to pour it all over my people and in, through the sacrifice of my son by being kind to us. That's why we're called to be kind to others. If God has been so infinitely kind towards us, shouldn't we give that out to others? And boy, we need the Holy Spirit to help us big time in that one too. And here's the good news. He will. And what about goodness? It means so much more than simply being a good person. Here's what it means, actually. If you're taking notes, write this down. It means actively seeking to do good to other people. Woo, that'll change your life. We see this in how, again, our Heavenly Father treats us. Psalm chapter 23, verse 6 says, Surely, I'm talking about Shirley the lady. I'm talking about Shirley, S-U-R-E-L-Y. Surely goodness and mercy shall what? Woo, mercy. Follow me. How long? How many? Every single day of my life, God's just trailing me with goodness and mercy. He knows I need it. <laughs> He's probably got a little bit of extra mercy there for me. Like, oh, this guy better give him a double dose. He, he gets a little ornery at times and a little impatient at times, according to some family members. But me and the Holy Spirit are working on that. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. But that verse doesn't end, end there. David goes on and writes, and I will what? Dwell. Where? In the house of the Lord, how long? Forever. Is that your goal? Let me see your hand if that's your goal in life. I want to be at home with Jesus Christ one day. I want to see every hand raised. If that's your goal, if you can't raise your hand in this church saying that's what I want in my life, then you ain't never going to raise it. 
I want to be at home with God. And here's the good news. You can be. You can put your hands down. I'll thank everybody for doing that. Here's the good news. All along the way to home, goodness and mercy is just going to be trailing right there with me. Where I go, goodness and mercy follow me. If I zigzag, they're going to zigzag with me, man. If I'm running, they're going to be running with me. If I'm walking, man, they're going to be right there keeping pace. Goodness and mercy. So what about us? Are we spreading that goodness and mercy to those around us? Are we just looking for ways to actively go and be good to people? What about faithfulness? The seventh flavor of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. He will never leave us or forsake us, he says. He is always near to us, even when we are brokenhearted. When we stray, he guides us back. When we struggle, he lifts us up. When we are weary, he strengthens us. In fact, the Bible says that he is faithful even when we are faithless. God isn't changing his mind about us. God isn't turning off the path and saying, no, I've had enough. Now, you you put me through too much. I'm out of here. No, God is faithful and true. And the Holy Spirit can produce the faithfulness of God in us and through us to be faithful to him and faithful to those around us, our brothers and sisters that need us so desperately. That's why we're still here, church. We were, we were talking about this this week, me and Pastor Joe and Scott, we were talking about, man, if, if God didn't have an assignment for us to be the light of the world, to be the salt on this earth to people around us, then guess what? When we said yes to Jesus, whoop, we would have been instantly gone. But he's got us here to give out his goodness, his joy, his love, to show true faithfulness. And what is ever increasingly a faithless generation that we live in right now. Number eight is gentleness. You notice how I just calmed that down to talk to you in a gentle voice, which is typically me. I'm not a real excitable guy anyway. So have you noticed like I have, our culture does not prize gentleness. Over the last 25, 30 years, there's been this shift in our American culture especially. To think that if we want to get our way, we must be loud, brash, and forceful. But the ways of God are so different than the ways of this world. As believers, we're called to be gentle towards one another. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome, gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So when we speak and act gently towards one another, Without being overly aggressive or harsh, what happens is it gives life to those around us. I mean, I mean, think about this for, for just a moment. Consider how gentle God is towards us. He is the most holy God, the one who created everything, the king of kings, and yet he is gentle and tender towards us overwhelmingly. When we sin, he gently convicts us, leading us back to himself. When we struggle, he doesn't tell us to buck up and be tougher. Rather, he comforts and gently helps us. And when we're brokenhearted, he is near to us with that gentle healing touch. Just as God is so gentle with us, we must be gentle towards others. And that, that's a tough one sometimes. Because there's some people that you, you have in your life. I mean, let's just break it down and be honest. That gentleness is the last thing on the list of what you want to be with them. And that's why I said in the beginning, these, we can't do this, this stuff on our own volition, our own power, our own strength. Can, can you do it? Because I can't. Because there's some people that's, that's hurt me and done me wrong. I mean, people are tough to deal with. 
People mess up. People blow it. People stab you in the back. People talk you up and talk you down in, in, in the next breath. People. Sometimes, right? You think of people. People. Some of you don't even want to face Monday because people, right? Dadgummit. They're going to be around Monday. I got to be around them. But this will blow your mind. If I had a mirror for everybody in here, I'd have you pull it out and look at it and say, guess what? You people. <laughs> Some of you just now got that. You're people. I'm people. We're people. And as much as we like to point out the stuff in the other people, we got a bunch of stuff in us too that hopefully we're laying on the altar and saying, Holy Spirit, come and move that stuff out of me and bring more of yourself into me. Change me, God, because I am people. And I need you. The last thing that we see is a, a flavor of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Some of you say, oh, mercy, I've been tracking pretty good with you until this one. It's hard to be self-control. But self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit, the, the flavor that is super essential for us. To, to be self-controlled means that we, we be in control of our thoughts our actions, and if you're taking notes, don't forget this one, our words. You know that old expression, man, I had to bite my tongue. Because I was about ready to rip somebody a new one. I had to stop and count to ten. You ever stop and just counted to ten? You ever stop and count to a hundred? You ever had to just stop and just count and count and count and just not put a limit on it and say, God, I just I got to count. Lord, help me. I got to count. I ain't going to put no number cap on it. I just got to count and count and count. And hours later, you're sitting there counting. 25,362. 25,363. 25. What, what am I counting for? Uh, what, what, what is this about? Come on. It worked. Amen. It's the ability to say yes to things that are good and no to things that are sinful. That's self-control. And church, with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, we must be self-controlled in every area of our lives, including the things that we say, watch on TV, what we think about, how much we eat, and so many others that we don't talk about as much in church. We like to talk about that fornicating and drugging and drinking and all that stuff, which we got to have self-control there. But some of the other things like eating, especially preachers. You ever seen them preachers with their big old guts? And they want to come up there with their suits and buttons about to pop off and put an eyeball out on the first row there. Talk to you about all the stuff you're doing. But man, they go into the buffet every Sunday and they hammering it down until they close the doors at night. Gluttony. I don't know where that came from. Because you got a pastor that's in semi-halfway decent shape, right? Wore my skinny shirt today. I'm just kidding. I don't have any of those, uh, I don't think. You know, we laugh about this, but I guarantee you that right now, the Holy Spirit, because this is how he loves to help us, has brought to our attention. You need some self-control here, and I can help you with that. And in whatever area it is in your life, listen to me. Don't be ashamed. 
because that's one of the tactics of the enemy to help us feel ashamed that we, we don't want to confess. You don't want to admit you got some problems, man. Look at all these perfect people around you. What are they going to think about you if you say, man, I need some help with self-control in, in this area of, of lust and, and looking at things I shouldn't online and, and pornography and all that, man. They're going to think I'm the worst person in the world, not ever welcome me back in this church. You are in the right place. Because we aren't perfect. You aren't perfect. None of us. We need God's help to come and say, hey, I can bring self-control to your life. You can overcome this, live victorious, and be free from this stuff the world, the flesh, is waging war at you with. So if you would just close your eyes with me for a moment. We're going to finish up this time. and These are things that, that we don't want to just talk about, cut up about, get excited about, and then leave this room and never do nothing about. So I'm charging and encouraging and pleading with every one of us in this room and those of you that have watched today and watching this right now. What flavor or flavors do you desperately need the Holy Spirit to help you increase in? What is it that you need God to come through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, I'm going to bring more patience. I'm going to bring more self-control. I'm going to bring peace that passes all understanding and that guards your hearts and minds. Whatever it is that you need, I need. What flavors we're lacking in our lives, the Holy Spirit is here right now. Right now to bring to us. So with your eyes closed for just another moment, I want to ask, I don't even see your hands. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor, I need some help in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to, to live that Spirit-filled life, that fruit-filled life. Would you just come and stand with me on this little rug area right here? We're just going to pray together. Come on now. Don't, don't hesitate. Make your move. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you, some of you, for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Some of you, before you even got here today, the Holy Spirit started cranking up on your heart saying, hey, we need some work there. I can help you here. Come and let me do a, a transformation in this area. Would you come now all across this room as we prepare to finish our time together? We're going to finish strong. I mean, we're going to finish strong in the power of the Holy Spirit, surrendering everything and saying, Lord, help me. Help me grow in these flavors. Would you just kind of press in here a little closer? Take, everybody take one step forward. And I want some family members to come. Who's, who, you, you got it all together right now in your life, I, I'm praying. You, you don't need any help in any flavor areas. I want you to come and surround your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's start being good. Let's start being kind. Let's start pouring it out on those here at the house first. And then we can take it outside the house and pour it out to everybody we come in contact with. Would you press in and begin to pray with and for your family up here? Come on. Make your move now. Don't hesitate. I need more people praying. More people helping. More people surrounding these precious believers right now. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. But right now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for salvation. For those who are saying yes to you, Jesus, both here in this room and outside of it right now, God, you hear their prayer. You see their repentance, God. You hear their cries for your salvation, Lord. And you show up and answer in the only way that you can, God, by bringing all of heaven with you to invade their lives right now. And Father, for every one of these folks down here, these men and women, these young people who are saying, you know what? The Holy Spirit touched my heart. 
heart spoke to my spirit and said, you're lacking in this area. But right now, God, you are more than enough. By your spirit, you're coming now and changing lives, God, and bringing the flavors of the Holy Spirit through the fruit of the Spirit, God, that we so desperately need. Father, thank you for showing up. Thank you for answering prayers. Thank you for a breakthrough today, God. Thank you that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper, God, that every attack from the enemy this morning to stop this service, God, to, to, to diminish what you were going to do, God, has been defeated and cast down. And Lord, your victory is reigning true. Your victory is reigning supreme. And right now, God, we thank you for that victory in every heart and every life and every soul right now, God. We are yours, Lord. And we thank you for the power and the presence and the majesty of the Holy Spirit that you promised and you delivered to us, God, there at Pentecost for every one of us to be filled to overflowing, to be changed forever, God. And right now, to worship you with everything that we have, Lord. I just speak to these people today and that are watching right now, victory in their lives, that the fruitfulness would just come and just overflow them, God. And your spirit-filled life is in them, God, to do everything that you have set to do. In Jesus' name, let's worship him together. Church, don't hold back. Everybody stand up across the room. Lift your hands and your hearts. He is worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to see a victory. Amen. Amen.